MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to it. It is time to preview all the slate of games for week nine in the NFL. Alongside me, Mike Palm is with us at Mike Palm Circa, where you can follow Mike on Twitter at Danny Burke 5 for myself. Big week to look forward to a lot of intriguing games in this slate. So, well, naturally we're pumped and I know Mike is as well. Uh, Mike, before we kind of get into everything, because we're going to preview every single game like we said we'll give best bets leans teaser survivor contest strategy um what kind of happened you know we always like to do an update how was it with the books last week in terms of the games and then in terms of the contest because i know you know it it wasn't as wacky as we've seen in weeks prior well it was a terrible sunday for us we got destroyed all the big favorites won. so the money line parlays came in and the teasers came in on the favorites I think it was our worst Sunday. I have to go back. It might be our worst Sunday in a couple of years. Um, we were lucky that uh, Carolina had the Hail Mary and that they covered the four. We would have been a seven-figure loser for us. Uh, it's still a high six-figure loser. And then Survivor, 125 entries going in, just 2% of the pool still left. Uh, only two entries got eliminated, uh, one on Jacksonville early in the morning in London, and then the other one, kind of a tough beat with the Colts. Uh, up nine and then, you know, six inches to go to get a first down to really run the clock out. Uh, but the uh, Frank Reich punts the ball and then the commanders go 90 yards and that ticket. The odd part of the whole story it was the same guy. He had two entries left and he got eliminated. Those were his two picks, Jackson, Bill, and the Colts. 
Oh my goodness. Jeez, yeah. that is that's a tough <laughs> draw to say the least. But hey, you make your bed, you uh, end with the repercussions, I suppose. Wow, that is kind of a uh, a strange strategy. But like you said, a majority of the people from last week still carry on. And a lot of spots that I'm sure will be uh, very appealing to a lot of these Survivor Contest uh, members who remain right now. And, uh, you know, this could be one of them, Mike, as we get into this late New England and Indianapolis. I'm sure a lot of people, unless they all got kind of X, well, the people who use the Patriots already did it against the Bears, you would imagine, and then they're already out. But the people who have not, maybe they are tempted to do it with the Patriots at Foxborough laying five and a half against the Colts consensus total is about 40 in the hook now the spread did open six in the hook so we have seen a little bit of love come toward indianapolis you still got sam ellinger and you got mac jones as a starter who you know i was lucky to cash in on the patriots last week they didn't make it easy and it really wasn't a credit to mac jones it was because zach wilson may have been that much worse and well now you're going up against a colts team who again is presumably going to have the worst quarterback in this spot what do you do in this game mike I don't know. How did you evaluate Ellinger on Sunday? I don't know if I he was as bad as I thought he would be. He probably played okay enough to win. Um, I thought two poor quarterback performances in New York between the Jets and the Patriots. And I'm surprised that Belichick didn't change uh, and put Zappi. And after the pick six that was negated by this very stupid and late launch roughing the passer penalty, really flipped that game. Uh, interesting, though, Belichick, you know, he stayed in the game, kicking field goals, keeping it close, and he's using the focus. of this kicker. Unbelievable. I mean, I didn't even think he tried the 54-yarder. He made it no problem. What a weapon he was last week. I don't like the Colts on the road. I don't like Ellinger on the road. I don't like Ellinger against Belichick, but I don't know if I want to lay five and a half with an offensively challenged Patriots team. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I feel like if you had this like six and a half, you'd maybe consider Jeez. a teaser. But I'm with you, Mike. Right. Yeah, I'm with you, though, at that five, five and a half spot. And we've talked about this all the time. You're kind of in no man's land. And it's not really a bet you ever want to fall in, it seems like. Yeah, it's. I always say it's the, it's the biggest trap number and the biggest stay away now. I, I can probably count on a number of times in my life I've laid five and a half in a game. Yeah, I, honestly, I think I'm with you there, too. It's just a very weird spot. But uh, you and I both lean in more toward New England. Not really worth a play in that matchup, however. How about the Jets, then, hosting the Bills? We talk about Survivor. If nobody has used Buffalo yet. This could be an okay spot, maybe an exception for using a team on the road because we do see Buffalo laying anywhere from 11.5 to 12. Totals at about 46. Some shops have 45 and a half. I see one with 46 and a half out by you in Las Vegas. Um, again, you're seeing a team as a big favorite. Not really anything that's going to move the needle for myself. Do you see anything worth the bet here with the Bills laying so much? No, I'm not interested in laying 14 on the road, either tonight in Philadelphia or 13 or whatever it's going to end up with the Bills in that game. Um you know, I always think in, that, in those situations that home team always the backdoor cover, you know, in a spot like that. Maybe if you have three or four entries left, you think about using the Bills. If you have one left, you've got to save them for Thanksgiving, I think. I think you have to save them for the, for the Lions on Thanksgiving. So there are 123 people left. I believe 102 still have the Bills left. I wouldn't suspect uh, many of them will be used um, this week. Interesting. 
I think there's 38 people that still have the Eagles left. How many of them will use them on Monday or on Thursday night football tonight in Houston? Good point. Good point. And yeah, as Mike mentioned, Sim and I are recording this every Thursday afternoon. So uh, we don't know the results by the time we're recording this. But like Mike said, probably going to be a very popular usage with the Eagles on the road against the Texans for Thursday night football. So we'll be excited to see if that comes through for them when we wake up on uh, Friday morning. Uh, Mike, moving along here in my neck of the woods in the Windy City, the Bears with Chase Claypool now in the mix. No Roquan Smith. Uh, are hosting the Miami Dolphins. Miami kind of getting a rhythm once again after last week in terms of their offense, I suppose. Their defense is still kind of a mess. They're allowing over 275 passing yards per game. They opened three and a half, did Miami. Now it's up to about as high as five, but most commonly four and a half. Total at some shops, the early opener was 41 in the hook, and now it's gone up to 45. But I think you guys opened it up around 45 or so. Uh, Mike, I, I don't really want to do anything here because even if the Bears keep it close, all it takes is one huge explosive play out of Tyree Killer Jalen Waddle to get the Bears out of this game and a Miami cover. I would be more tempted with that total going over. The Bears lost a lot of parts defensively, and as good as Brisker and Gordon and Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson can be in the secondary, they're prone to getting exposed. And I talk about a prop. Uh, that could fit the bill for that in Prop Watch, which is also available here on the podcast feed. But in terms of the full game total, I'm, I'm not afraid of Miami scoring the points. I, I think you'll get there with them. Chicago is who you got to worry about naturally. But as I alluded to, their defense has not been solid. Justin Fields has progressed every week. I don't know how much of an impact Claypool will be. But, Mike, I, I would lean toward the over in this game. Am, am I off on thinking that? Or is that kind of the direction you would lean as well? I can't touch the game until I'm looking at Soldier Field live, as Brent Musburger would say, to understand the effect of the wind on Sunday. I, I'm, I'm worried if it's a windy game about Tua and the Dolphins' offense. You know, I think it was 2006. Jake DeLome, maybe it was 2005. Jake DeLome and Carolina were rolling along, and they came into Soldier Field like week seven or eight. In November, I think, eight or nine, maybe. And they were like a two and a half point favorite. I bet a lot of money at the time on Caroline. The Bears weren't any good. But the wind, he couldn't throw the ball in the wind. The wind totally distorted the game. They did nothing. The Bears dominated the whole game. Never even had a chance to cover. I kind of feel that way about the Dolphins this week and worry about the gales of November. They came early here in Las Vegas, started picking up about four o'clock yesterday afternoon. It was 48 degrees this morning and raining. This miserable temperature for conditions for Las Vegas this early. But anyhow, I'm going to take a wait and see. If the wind is not going to be a big factor, I agree with your overplay. I'm also disappointed. You know, the Bear, I had the Bears plus 10 last week in the contest with Matt Humans. They won the middle 10, 17 to nothing, Danny, and lost by yep. 20. Think about that. I totally misread um, that. I thought Dallas would struggle in the red zone because of no Zeke. I didn't think Pollard, you could run in between the tackles. Didn't matter. They couldn't tackle him. He went off. Um, so, and then, you know, Fields is too dumb to touch the guy down. I mean, he thinks they're still playing college rules. And he yeah. high hurdles the guy so that they can have the scoop six there. But anyhow, I shouldn't be so bitter. I like your overplay if if there's no win. Can I ask you your evaluation on the trades? I mean, they got rid of their two best defensive players. Um 
did they get enough back? Do you like this move? I know you like Claypool, obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're looking from a Bears fan perspective in what I've grown up with, which has been no offense at any point, you had brief excitement with Jay Cutler. The fact that they're going out there and getting a receiver, even though you gave up a second, which isn't necessarily ideal, I, I think it's the correct move. It's someone they've been eyeing for quite some time, apparently, meaning the new management with Ryan Poles in charge. Um, Roquan Smith, you know, doing that, they clearly were never going to get a deal done with him in the offseason. Uh, all the things leading up until this season probably left not the greatest mark on this new management, this new regime with Roquan, as great as a linebacker as he is. I mean, this defense has been terrible against the run. And I love Roquan. I would have liked to see him stay. But, you know, I, I have no option but to trust the process of polls right now, who has accumulated all these picks, has so much money to work with in terms of cap space. So the second and the fifth, you know what? You'll take it because they got a plethora of picks to look at for this upcoming draft and a little bit past that. So you add a weapon now so you can further help fields progress. You give up that second, okay, well, you have boatloads of money to go get another receiver. You can draft another receiver. Then you can beef up your offensive line for protection. In this day and age, a majority of the successful teams, their stronger side of the ball, Mike, is going to be their offense, which the Bears have never had. So I like that they're investing in that. The defense, you have a great secondary with the draft picks that you got this past year. Defensive line is, is, is going to be an issue. Same with the backers, don't get me wrong. But the positive note of that, I would say, is your head coach, Matt Eberflus, is a defensive guy. So if there's going to be a weaker side of the ball, I would rather it be on the defense and give more aid to Fields, who needs that to help his progression. So I like the addition. We're not expecting fireworks right away. But again, it's a stepping stone year. And then as a Bears fan, you're just hoping that they can make the right moves with the draft and all the cap space they got going into next year with those moves. I wondered if they got enough back for them with the second and the fifth. But I asked Michael Lombardi that this morning. He said, you know, he thought maybe Smith a little overrated uh, and Quinn as well because of how bad the rush defense is. So you have to take a look at that. If they're your best defenders and you're the 27th, you know, rush defense and you're the worst in touchdowns allowed, how really good were they playing? Or really well were they playing? Yeah. No, absolutely. You're right. And that was the main, you know, uh, talking point for why people shouldn't maybe miss him too much. And uh, again, like Robert Quinn was coming off of his best career year. He's getting up there in age. So I didn't feel bad about that one at all. The Roquan one is bittersweet for a lot of fans because he's been such a big time playmaker and kind of the heart and soul of that defense aside from when Eddie Jackson went off. Uh, in 2018 but yeah I mean again the run defense is terrible and you might as well sell high on Roquan who clearly is going to give a team some kind of headache uh, if he's negotiating his own contract like he was this past offseason so um, that's where I'm sitting in terms of the game I'm with you like the total going over the wind should be in about double digits maybe anywhere from 10 to 13 miles per hour around kickoff so we'll have to monitor that I'm with you, and if we do add it, it will be listed on VEASAN's Best Bets log page. Make sure you check that out, VSIN.com. Mike, we move along. Uh, Washington and Minnesota next. The Commodores catching three in the hook, although some spots do have three. Uh, Minnesota, the team that you backed a couple weeks ago, came through in a similar spot, not on the road, but they were laying three, I believe. That was against Miami. Total in this game's at 43 and a half. 
Minnesota seems like the right move, but this is also at the same time a classic spot where Minnesota either makes it incredibly tough on themselves and barely win, or it's going to be a very close game and they'll end up blowing it with a miss kick or just some shenanigans that screw them in the end. So I lead Minnesota. I don't think I can get there officially. Well, congrats to you, Danny. You had the over in that game in Minneapolis last week. The only good thing for me is I bet the first half under and and the game under. So I blow the 49, but I win under 24 and a half. That's true. And, and I thought I was going to get the bad beat with a long field goal right at the gun at halftime. Uh, but they did block the kick. How is that not grounding on Cousins? Just for, but anyhow, uh, yeah. look, I was impressed with Minnesota last week at home. Arizona's defense had played well under Vance Joseph. I thought the only person that people that stopped Minnesota's offense was Minnesota. I mean, the only drive they didn't score in the first half, they had third and one on the 40 of Arizona, and Cousins could have run easily for a first down, scrambled on third down instead. He threw and missed the receiver, and then they ran some sort of long out on fourth and one. I, I, Cook was running the ball at will. I mean, I was impressed with their offense. I like Minnesota in this spot, but, you know, I hate three and a half. Uh, but I really like the Vikings. I don't think the commanders, uh, I, I, you know, they're more competitive with Wentz out. But they're not a good team. I think Minnesota's a much better team. They went to Miami. They run, They won on grass uh, on the road. I like Minnesota a lot here. Tough to play three and a half. So it's not really going to be a play. I would put them in some sort of a money line parlay probably. Um, or even in a seven-point teaser to plus three and a half. So you guys, it looks like at Circa, have minus three at minus 115. Yeah, would you juice. entertain that? I'd, I'd lay three. I would lay three, but I don't really want to lay the juice. So we'll see how this all plays out. But I would be very surprised if the Commanders won this game. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you too. Like it, Again, it's it's hard to trust Minnesota in these road spots, but Washington should not be in this game. Offensively speaking, Minnesota is leaps and bounds ahead of them. It's just defensively, can you limit Heineke from all the magic he seems to create? And you would like to hope Minnesota could do so, but I'm with you. I'm lean in Minnesota. I probably won't play it, but maybe would use it in a contest if I needed like a, a fit team to select for it. But uh, that one will be kind of a sneaky, interesting spot. And perhaps so will up in Motor City, in the Motor City, with Detroit and Green Bay taking on each other. Uh, Green Bay went from three and a half. To then three and then now back up consensus to three and the hook is what Aaron Rodgers is playing. Total opened at about 49. Mike, we've seen it tick up to 49 and a half. I see one book out in Las Vegas stations has a 50 out there. I could see this thing going over. I mean, Detroit's defense is arguably the worst in the NFL. Green Bay's defense has been underwhelming. I don't know if I want to get there because, again, Detroit, you know, they just dished out TJ Hawkinson, and it's not like he makes the world a difference, but that speaks to what they're thinking of their team right now, and it is a big part taken away from their offense. So uh, I was talking about this game with Matt Humans on our last episode. We both like Green Bay, but we both didn't love the idea of laying over three with the Packers in this spot. What say you? You know, I was going back and looking, Danny. I've only bet on the Packer, a Packer game once all year. And it was uh, the under in that game in Tampa Bay. They're very hard for me to gauge how they're going to play. It's just I'm so unattracted to trying to figure out what they're going to do. And usually the Packers are such a consistent team, you know, that, they're, that they're, there's opportunities to bet on and against them because of that. But I don't know. The Lions play better. How about the Lions last week? Touchdown, 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 field goal, field goal, halftime, 
punt, punt down. Game over. <laughs> they don't score a point in the second half against Miami. Classic Detroit. Oh, it, it was unbelievable. I, the most Detroit way to go about it. Their defense screws them. The offense gives you a little glimmer of hope, and then they find a way to lose it. It's remarkable. I, uh, I, I kind of like what I saw to Green Bay, Mike, in terms of what they did offensively. Finally utilizing Aaron Jones for 20 carries. He got like over a buck 40 against one of the best run defenses. Wouldn't you think that at this point, LaFleur would just try to get that instilled from the get-go instead of waiting and realizing that it actually works when you don't have receivers and Rodgers doesn't trust them? This LaFleur is a fraud. He really is. But you're right. They, they have a running. They had a running game last year. They have a running game. He's not comfortable. I wonder if they lose this game Sunday in Detroit, do they shut him down? I mean, does he keep playing if they're really out of it? Uh, for playoff contention. It's an interesting question. I can't get involved here. What's the total? 50? Uh, 49 and a half. Yeah, a little yeah. too high for me. A little too high. I hear you. All right, Mike. Well, let me ask you about Atlanta and Los Angeles next. The Chargers being. This kind of seems like one of those spots where we talk about a team struggling going into a bye week and having a good performance outside of that. Atlanta, you know, somehow pulling off that victory due to Eddie Pinheiro missing two crucial kicks. DJ Moore taking off his helmet. But Atlanta finds a way, and now they're catching three at home against the Chargers. Total is ticked up from 47 now to 49. So, again, I, I kind of like the Chargers here, Mike. But at the same time, the Chargers are almost like the Vikings on the road, laying three couple of teams who should be better than their opponent, but for some reason you just don't trust them because you've seen this story before where they should be the better team, but they find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. I look a little bit over here in this game because I think Atlanta can run the ball on San Diego. When they run the ball, obviously Mariotti becomes a lot better. Let me ask you this, Danny. Why is that a penalty anymore in the NFL to take the helmet off? I mean, he takes the helmet off each at the stands, right? I mean, I don't get it. They let 11 defensive players run 120 yards and ride in the end zone and mock other players around the league, and that's okay, but a poor guy can't take his helmet off? I, I, I don't know. I think it's time to take a look at that rule. But Pinero, how, how gut-wrenching is that? I mean, they're still alive in this division. This division's a division nobody wants to win. It's so bad. It's so bad with Tampa Bay not being able to move the ball on offense. It's up there for the taking. I mean, that was a huge swing game there. Uh, in that division. So I, I lean a little bit over. I think this game gets played uh, in the upper 20s, maybe in the 30s here. Remember San Diego, or I say San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers coming off a bye too. I think they'll be ready with a solid game plan in the first half to move the ball more than they have. Chargers have been an under team, surprisingly. Uh, but uh, I lean over, no official play. Yeah, I kind of like that assessment. I would probably lean over as well. Do you, do you think you'd almost maybe go first half over uh, because you mentioned you did that with another game with the first half angle. If you yeah. think they do come out hot, would you maybe look at a team total first half or the entire first half over? Yeah. Maybe a team total on the chargers over, or I don't want to, I don't want 24 and a half. I'd have to find 24 if I was playing it over. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a look and see where that's at. But in the meantime, uh, I want to ask you next then about this Carolina, the aforementioned Carolina Panthers, on the road against the Bengals. The Bengals just got absolutely obliterated, embarrassed, whatever you want to call it, on Monday night against the Browns. In this spot, though, they open up as a nine-point favorite. Consensus now is at seven in the hook. Total open 44. Now it's down to 42 and a half. 
Look, this is a prime teaser opportunity for Cincinnati. That would be the only way I would play it. I haven't found another team I'd like to pair them with, so for that reason, I, I haven't done anything in this game. But uh, also another good survivor opportunity if you haven't used the Bengals. Hey, look, P.J. Walker has done some great things, and then Foreman filling in, and Hubbard's going to be back, presumably. Look, they, they're, they're fine, but you know what? You faced a... Terrible-looking Tampa Bay team. Kind of fluky, I suppose. Um, and then you face the Falcons team that kind of played down to what we expected they would be coming into this season. Cincinnati now ticked off, needing this win against a vulnerable opponent. Again, I think it's all Cincy, but I don't want to lay over a touchdown, Mike. What kind of a performance was that on Monday night? That was pathetic by Cincinnati. I'd be, I'd be scared to take them in Survivor. I mean, he is this Zach Wilson, can he adjust at all as a coach? It didn't look like it. I mean, they were running the same offense without their best receiver. We'll see if he can come up with something. I was impressed with Carolina. This team has rallied after they got rid of McCaffrey. It's, it's unbelievable. The running game's been good. Walker's thrown the ball. He really put some zip on the ball. I mean, he throws it with purpose. A lot better than Baker Mayfield. I'd stay away from this game. I think this game smells of of Carolina actually being very competitive here. Yeah, the issue here with Cincinnati, I think, Mike, and you would think it would be more apparent now that they need to do it, is getting Joe Mixon involved in the running game. I mean, this guy has really lost a lot of juice from what you saw last year. He was given the ball like almost 20 times a game on a consistent basis. And now, just pulling up his stats, looking at what he has done this season... Like, he had eight carries for 27 rushing yards against the Browns. The Browns don't have a good run defense. He was getting 3.4 yards per carry. On the year, he's getting 3.3 yards per carry. Even when he, for example, had his or second most uh, rush attempts, 24 versus Miami, only able to get 61 rushing yards. I don't know if this is a mixing thing, an offensive line thing. I'm sure it's a little bit of both. He still gets involved in the passing game, got seven catches last week. Maybe look at his prop again because without Chase, Burrow just seemed more comfortable dumping it off to Mixon. I think that's the main reason why you haven't seen Cincy look great in a lot of spots because they can't establish any kind of ground attack. And if Burrow doesn't feel comfortable and he's getting sacked, then they absolutely have nothing, especially without their top receiver in Jamar Chase. Well, what kind of an offensive line is this? They can't protect Burrow and they can't run the ball? I thought they were supposed to get better. Apparently, they haven't. I passed on the game, Danny. All right, and really quick, the first half total for that Chargers-Falcons game, 24.5. You said you wouldn't play it uh, unless it was at 24, so nothing really looking at it right there. What's the Chargers to... team total, 13.5? Yeah, 13.5 minus 110 play, to the over. I'd play that over. Okay. All right, so that's what we got. We're looking at Chargers' first half team total, 13.5. Uh, I want to see how many points in the first half the Falcons are allowing. Let me pull this up really quick. Atlanta's allowing the second most first half points per game, Mike. 15.4. Only Chicago has allowed more at 15.6. So there you go. Even a little bit more conviction to your bet. Well, you love that. You love those terms. <laughs> hey, it's just the stats all year, baby. It's just uh, proof in the pudding. <laughs> All right, Mike, um, I got to talk about your team. Well, your city's team, at least right now, Las Vegas. The Raiders <laughs> didn't move the ball past midfield against a struggling Saints defense till what? The two-minute warning? And that was horrific all around. They're laying anywhere from a point to two points against Jacksonville. Actually, it looks like you guys at Circa are the only book who has them laying two. Total from 47 to 48. 
I got to play in this game, but I want to, I'm curious your thoughts in this spot first. I have a play in this game, Danny. If we're on the wrong, uh, opposite side again, I can't do it. I can't. I can't uh, go up against you. You've, you've destroyed everything in my life with that, that over last week. I love the Raiders here. Um, look, this Jacksonville, there, there's something wrong with this team. You know, Lawrence, that, that turnover from the one-yard line changed the whole game in the first half. Yes. When they got all them dumb penalties against the Broncos and then had first a goal, and then they rolled out through that interception. But they gave up three touchdown drives of 75 or more yards to that diva, uh, let's ride, Russell Wilson, who, who they're lining up across the country, his former teammates, to take shots at this guy. Um, <laughs> I don't like this. This Jaguars team is not going to hold the Raiders down. What a wake-up call. They were, they were 50-1 to 1 to be the team to score the least points last week, Danny, and they got shut out in New Orleans. I expect a big effort from the Raiders here in this spot. I like them a lot. Mike, I am on the same side as you, my friend, so oh, we will not be button heads here. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like this as a bounce-back spot for Las Vegas. Look, that's about as low as you can get from what they did last year, not only getting shut out, but the fact he couldn't cross midfield until the oh. very end of this game with an offense that added Devontae Adams into the mix. You have a running back who's rushed for over 100 yards in consecutive games, yet you weren't able to utilize either of them at any point in the matchup. Now, Darren Waller was out. Looks like he should be back in this game. That can't hurt this offense, you would imagine. I like that the Raiders also, they're spending the week in Sarasota, Florida, so they didn't travel back. They stayed there on the East Coast, whereas, as you mentioned, Jacksonville coming back from the international travel. The teams who have come back, it's not like they've all lost the next game. The Packers were the only team to do so when they got blown out 27-10 against the Jets. But a lot of the teams defensively have struggled. And that's where it's the big difference here because the Raiders not scoring any points last week need a boost on that side of the ball and a great spot to do it with a team coming back from the international game. And teams that have gone to London, when they've come back, on average, they are allowing their opponents 26 points per game. So uh, I think it's the ultimate buy low spot on Las Vegas. Trevor Lawrence has done that twice, Mike. The game where they lost to Houston, where I had them in Survivor, Lawrence also had a crucial red zone interception that just made you wonder how this guy has ever picked up a football and thrown an accurate pass before. He did the same early Sunday morning. And a lot of people, you know what? A lot of people probably missed that because they were sleeping in and didn't want to see Broncos country let's ride again. So they're like, no need to wake up for that game. So they probably don't realize how not great Jacksonville looked in that game, but they did see the Raiders get blown out. So I feel like the public's going to love Jacksonville here, maybe even tease them up. And you know what? If you tease them up, so be it. But I'm with you. I laid minus a buck 20 on the money line for Las Vegas in this game, my friend. Oh, your money line play. That's nice. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, well, hey, at least we're sweating out the same play in that regard. You got me thing with the Cardinals and the Seahawks. This one, I was close to pulling the trigger on. I don't think I will get there. But speaking of public dogs, Mike, uh, if you look at VEASAN and their betting split, 63% of the bets and 67% of the handle is on the Seahawks money line, 66% of the bets and 77% of the handle catching the points with Seattle. Um, or 77% of handle, yeah, catching the points with the Seahawks. 
Um, they already played. Cardinals lost 19-9. Zach Ertz was their leading receiver, Mike. Seven catches for 70 yards. Murray was their leading rusher. Ten carries, 100 yards. And the Seahawks' run defense allows a buck 40 on the ground per game. If Eno Benjamin can actually do something like we saw him do against the Saints, I think they can move the ball enough. D-hopping back, they can pass the ball enough. He's been incredible upon his return. I lean Arizona, but at the same time, Mike, the Cardinals are just such a tough team to back because Cliff Kingsbury is a nightmare, as you very well know. I'm going to use the Seahawks in a teaser. I think this will be close. The Cardinals scored three points. Yeah, I know they didn't have Hopkins. Three points in Seattle. Three offensive points in Seattle. And they do have Prater back, right? I mean, which makes a difference. Because uh, you saw last week, they have confidence to kick the field goals in Minnesota. But this Cardinals team, there's something wrong with this. I said it last year when they they played and beat at Dallas. Um, something wrong. Something doesn't connect with Kingsbury and the Roadrunner. Uh, Tyler Murray. That interception from the end zone, what was that? Where, where was he throwing the ball? 20 yards short of the receiver. I don't really get what they do. I don't think they have a sense of pace. I don't like anything about the offense. I thought Minnesota looked their deep, made their defense uh, look very confused and slow last week. I, I actually think Seattle wins this game, but a tough spot, revenge, going home. That's why I will tease them up past the touchdown here. Yeah, so I lean Arizona. I don't know if I'll get there, but if you do play Seattle, I think you have the yeah. right approach in teasing them up because if Arizona does win, you know, obviously they're capable of doing so by a touchdown now with that red zone threat and DeAndre Hopkins. And really quick, something interesting as I was kind of just looking through these numbers is offensively efficient as Seattle has been, they've really struggled in the red zone. They're scoring a touchdown only 40% of the time when they enter the red zone, which is second worst in the NFL. So uh, they're moving the ball. They're not necessarily executing. So something to keep in mind when looking into the Seattle team. But like you said, if you are back in the Seahawks, I think you should tease it up. Uh, otherwise, I do lean Arizona. I don't think I'm going to get there. Matt Eubens and I were cracking up about this one, saying that we both liked it, but we're going to end up hating ourselves throughout the game if we do it. So uh, maybe for my sanity, uh, I will stay away. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking for that game. I do have a play in this next spot, and you're going to love me for this one, baby. You know where I'm going with the money line play. Tampa Bay and Los Angeles. Because the line is at three now and the two and a halfs aren't as available at this point, I'm laying a buck 43 with Tampa Bay. I actually did it a little bit earlier. I get it's the battle of the uglies right here. Two bad teams. But to me, the Rams are the inferior team in this matchup, despite what you have seen from Tampa Bay. The Bucks are allowing 5.1 yards per play, Mike. So as much criticism as we give their defense, relatively, they're not that bad. Uh, the Rams offensively are averaging only 4.8 yards per play, which is second worst in the NFL. Their offense has not improved any lick from the start till now. They probably have gotten worse. Cooper Cup, even if he plays, maybe he's a tad bit banged up. But that is their only weapon. They have no run game. Matt Stafford is liable to throwing interceptions. And hey, if you want to call it a revenge game from the postseason, so be it. But the Rams are also 20th in DVOA pass um, offense. Bucks are six in DVOA pass defense. So again, against the pass, they're not bad. And then you look at what the Bucks have done offensively. Yeah, it's looked really bad. DVOA, though, has them ninth against the pass, and the Rams are 20th in DVOA pass defense. Brady and company need this. I have no faith in the Rams whatsoever, so I laid a buck 43 with the Bucks. I would lay two and a half if it's still available for you. But I love Tampa Bay in this spot, Mike. 
Well, good for you. I just think these are two bad teams. The Rams, to me, very interesting last week. They really moved the ball and kept converting every third down against the 49ers in the first half. Put Jimmy G in a hole. Jimmy G is not supposed to be able to come back. Since San Francisco dominated the second half. How strange with five and a half minutes to go and down three scores on third down at 16, McVay ran the ball. I mean, he completely conceded the game. He punted. He used no timeouts when San Francisco had the ball. And, and by the way, Danny, that was 80% 49er fans at SoFi. I mean, that's stunning. It's really stunning. They have no home field advantage. But anyhow, and then he throws a, a pass to Cup on third and four and almost breaks his ankle. I mean, how ridiculous. I, I know this Rams defense is not that good. I, I can't get involved with this game um, because because of the Rams defense being so bad. Otherwise, I'd look under. But this is a pass for me. And what looked to be a marquee late matchup, only two late games. What kind of schedule is this? you got Seahawks and Cardinals in a bad game in Tampa. Pass. Yeah, it, it really makes no sense why the scheduling is happening this way. And it just drives you nuts because you get all the mayhem happening at the beginning. And then you're like, all right, let's keep it going. And then you're just going to get two maybe mediocre games. So, I don't know. It's frustrating once again. And uh, it doesn't make it as fun when we're doing it live for Live Bet Sunday. And we're only sweating out a couple of these spots. Rams and Bucks and Seahawks and Cardinals. I don't know. Maybe they'll keep it entertaining for us. But... Uh, yes, I am all in on Tampa Bay in that game, so count me in for Tom Brady and company. Mike, Sunday night football, Kansas City taking on Tennessee. Andy Reid off a of bye. I believe he's 20-3 and three in his coaching career, if I am not mistaken. Ten and a half is where the Chiefs open. They're up to 12. Even some shops, well, a majority of shops actually have 12 and a half. Total is dipped down from 47 to 45 and a half as a consensus number. I mean, I don't like laying favorites, and I haven't played anything here, Mike, but if I were to do anything, I think it would have to be Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, 50 yards of passing from Malik Willis. Amazing Houston couldn't win the game. They weren't even competitive. They just said, here comes the 18-wheeler, and that was it. Uh, how can Tennessee go in there and compete in this game? That's the thing. I mean, they're going to run, they're going to run, they're going to throw play action, they're going to and they're going to come out with a loss and, and go back. I don't think they can win this game. I think people will tease the Chiefs down under a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, not particularly interested in playing it. I'm looking at these first half lines, too. Some books have six and a half. A lot have seven. Would you be interested in getting that discounted number in the first half with Kansas City coming off that bye? Yeah, not a bad play with Andy Reid off the bye. All right. Well, Monday night then, Mike, final game. Uh, just a quick analysis here. I know we have plenty of time till we get there. But uh, when you look at Baltimore, they're on the road against the Saints. Baltimore's finally been getting into a rhythm, although the market's kind of going against them. Three in the hook is what the Ravens open. Now it's anywhere from two to two and a half. Total we see at 48 and a half. Uh, maybe if you want to, you could tease up the Saints or in that home underdog role where you could tease them up. But I don't know. People are kind of expecting Baltimore to regress after these past couple of wins. I see this as a better opportunity to back them under the key number of three, even though the market's going against them. I think once you get back to Monday, maybe you see some love gravitate their way. But I like Baltimore in this spot. Mike, I haven't done anything, but that is where my strong lean would be. I think the better play is to use Baltimore in futures right now. I think the schedule lays out where they're going to be favored all these games now. They have a chance. They only got, they're only they going to be short favorites on the road here. 
I, I lean that way, but I think you look at, at Baltimore future markets, maybe adjusted win total, Danny. Like it. Yeah, I'm sweating out the nine and a half preseason, minus 150 to yeah. the over, and then I got yeah. 20 to one Super Bowl. They're now 18 to one's the best number, and then the adjusted win total was anywhere from 10 and a half to 11. But yeah, I think they have the easiest schedule going down the stretch. So not a bad, uh, not a bad way to approach Baltimore going down the line. All right, Mike, uh, before we get into a recap of our best bets, just to talk Survivor, if I was still in it, the order of the teams that I would use would probably be, it's tough because, again, at this point, a lot of contests are dwindled. And if you still had the Chiefs available, that to me would be the obvious option unless you see a better fit for them later in the year. I think Bengals over Panthers is a great look. Bills over Jets, if you still have it. But as you mentioned, you probably want to late, uh, wait till Thanksgiving. Or the Patriots over the Colts, if you didn't use the Pats against the Bears. But ultimately, uh, I would probably stay out of that group if you still have them. Again, the Bengals may be the best option. I know you're not liking that one as much, but who would you maybe label as your top choice? Um, I would be chalky here. I'd be Chiefs than Eagles. Um and if I didn't have them, I'd be Patriots. I wouldn't mess with the Bengals. You think you're going to find yourself maybe jumping in on the Panthers if it stays over seven? I have to watch the game. I would be an in-game play for me. I'd have to watch and see if Cincinnati can run the ball or not. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Mike. We have talked every single game. It is time. Our best bets. I will let you take the floor. As of this moment, Thursday afternoon, what do you have dialed up for NFL Week 9? I'm on the Raiders here is my singular play, uh, straight play. And then here's my teaser, a seven-point teaser. I'm going to tease the Vikings to plus four and tease the Seahawks to plus nine. Okay, Seahawks plus nine, Vikings plus four. Gotcha. All right, Mike on the year, 15 and 6. He's been carrying us strong. You finally had one week that set you back. It was, I guess you're due at some point. You, you kind of, the, the Seahawks screwed you was the problem. Well, there. yeah, yeah. I uh, was wrong. I was wrong the on Giants, the total so. in that game in Minnesota. But the freaking two drop punts. Danny, what's going on? Why are they even got guys back there? You know, that's year, what I'm there, saying. There's no, there's no punt return touchdowns and 20 fumbles. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Mike, it is an atrocity out here. I've been clamoring about it. I know Amal Shaw has said it before. Why are you yeah. even putting guys out there? And if you are, just let it bounce. There's no the reward. It's just all risk. The only time I'd have a returner out there is if the other team's punting from inside the 20, from inside their Correct. own 20. Then I don't want a 30-yard roll. But why, why else would you have a returner back there? I could not agree more. I feel like we are on a historic pace of these muff punts, and I know some have been fumbles after, but it's just too much of a liability. The Bears have had it happen twice, and that completely changed the outcome of both games, especially that Commanders one, and it changed the course of that Giants one, and like you said, I mean, screwed your teaser in a game they probably should have been within it, so I, I am right there with you, my friend. I just don't think any coach is going to do it. Again, just tell your guy, let it bounce, unless, you know, it's Nobody's even around you. I don't know. I I'm with you. It's infuriating. <laughs> Mike, last week I went 4-2. and two. I am still at 32-32. and 32, Or not still at, but I'm at 500 still. Um, I had Patriots last week cashed in. That over had a couple props. Henry over his rushing yards, 97.5. The dude ended up over two bills. Uh, York over his kicking points on Monday. Brady Cannon and I ended up with the Bengals. Did not come through. And then Dak under his passing touchdowns at plus 116 did not come through. 
even though they scored like over 40 points, he only had two passing touchdowns. And the second passing touchdown was first and goal from the one-yard line. So that was kind of tough to see. But, hey, they scored over 40 points, so what are you going to do? Um, as for this week, aside from the props, which I will discuss on Prop Shelf, like you, I am on the Raiders. Took a minus a buck, 25 actually is what it was uh, on the money line. And then um, the Bucks money line minus a buck, 43 against the Rams. So those are the two plays I got as of now. I may jump in like you were saying with that Dolphins and Bears total going over. Um, otherwise, I, I think that's kind of all I'm looking forward to aside from some of the props. Do you, do you imagine that you may get in with the Vikings or another game that you're interested in? Aside from the Bears one, or you're just hanging on those right now? That's that's where I am right now. And then Sunday, you know, I you know, it, it'll all depend on how games are playing out. What I do with my with my end game stuff, but those are the games. But I, I, you know, if it looks like temperate conditions at Soldier Field, I will play the Dolphins, uh, depending on what the line. Because I think if it's nice weather, this game keeps going, and if it gets to six, then you can tease it. So you okay? So you'd rather play the Dolphins than anything with the total in that game, barring the uh, wind. Yeah, well, I think the Dolphins. Uh, I think the Dolphins will score a ton of points. So I, I, I like the total being low there. Um, you know, your only fear is is it a, ro- a route and the Bears only get you know 10, 13 points. Yeah, then you could consider the Dolphins team total at yeah. that point. So yeah. something to look at. Should be a good Sunday. Scheduling not ideal, but hopefully our bets turn out to be. That's Mike Palm at Mike Palm Circa, where you can follow him on Twitter. As for myself, Danny Burke at Danny Burke 5. Remember, if we have any additional plays, it will be logged at VSIN.com at our Pro Picks page by a glance. We have every show host and guest plays throughout the entire week, every single sport, so anything additional will be added there and if you want more props and an alternate outlook for week nine make sure you check out prop watch hosted by yours truly also available here on bc's pro football betting podcast feed for mike palmont las vegas danny burke here in the windy city enjoy week nine in the nfl best of luck and take care ladies and gentlemen